0: What's going on, thinkers? Welcome back to another episode of Thoughts by the Ville DI today's guest we have a former lieutenant colonel with the u.s air force she is also a global speaker on youth suicide a suicide activist and the ceo of teen alive today we have with us dr lulu how you doing today
1: i'm doing just fine
0: how are you i'm doing pretty good man it was a long day but hey we here aren't we
1: i know thankfully so
0: first and foremost um Let's get to know Dr. Lulu a little bit. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about uh, uh, your 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 upbringing, your life.
1: Well, how much time do you have? It's fifty-one years. How many? How many minutes? We got all night. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, so I was born in Nigeria, Nigeria. buttered and toasted, and lightly just lightly burned in Nigeria, and I love it. Mm -hmm. I came to the U.S. in '95 for my residency training. I'm a pediatrician. And so I went to Howard for my residency training. And when I was done with that, I started my own practice in the state of South Kakalaki. And I had my my first son and then the practice. Yes. So it was the first child, then the practice, then the other two boys. I had four kids in total, my practice included. And then after that, I did, what, 15, 14 years with my practice. And then I sold it. After my divorce to move Mm -hmm. to the state of Texas, I joined the Air Force. I came in as a lieutenant colonel, believe it or not, and then I left as a lieutenant colonel after four years. So following my separation and um, honorable discharge, I had an epiphany Mm -hmm. after a seven-year-old patient of mine attempted to kill himself twice. But before that, I had already lost a patient to suicide in the year 2008 and then before that a friend to suicide in the year 2000. So it wasn't my first rodeo with suicide, but this was my youngest kid. And um, it just got me thinking, okay, why, you know? I I asked myself why, I couldn't find any answers. So I thought, okay, let's go, let's go looking. And so I basically quit my job as a pediatrician to, to do that, to do just that, to look and figure out why anybody Really anyone, especially a seven year old, will want to do such a thing. And I have a look back. So I'm thankful.
0: So um what are I don't know if you have uh, offhand you know or like what are like the rates of youth suicide? Because you don't really hear about it a lot, like, you know, in media or so on so so uh so on and so forth. So what are like the is this a um one of those existing problems that we have that's just not getting a whole lot of attention.
1: Yeah. So as a matter of fact, it's a, it's a pandemic. I use the word pandemic in my most recent, in my book that my third book that I'm writing, I, I use the word pandemic because it is, it is global. It's all across the, every country, every part of this world has been touched by suicide. However, most people don't want to talk about it. And especially when it's a child, most parents don't want to face it. And it's understandably, understandably so. But it is what it is. Kids do kill themselves. The youngest child registered to have killed herself was five years old, a Chinese girl. So it's not like it's something like, oh my goodness, it's never happened before. And then the youngest children in the US, since we're in the US, two girls were both six years old, one black and one white, that at least that I found in my research. So it's not a thing that is not known. Mm -hmm. However, suicide in anyone except maybe a Hollywood star, is usually hush-hush more so in the African-American community. People don't want to... I, I usually use the phrase, they throw the Bible at stuff like mental... Anything that has to do with mental illness, mm. the average African-American will throw the Bible at it. And essentially, it's a denial thing, which is unfortunate because I don't care how much you want to deny it. It is a thing. As a matter of fact, as of 2016, the most recent... That statistics showed that, and actually they confirmed it again, reconfirmed it in October of 2019, that African-American kids age 5 through 11 have a higher rate of suicide attempts Mm. than their Caucasian counterparts. But you probably never hear that in the news, but you can Google that if you like. You'll see the studies, you'll see it all there. So it's not a thing that is unknown, is a thing that we prefer to push underneath the ground. And I <laughs> I usually say that the, the slaves actually brought that from, from the motherland because mm-hmm. back in Nigeria, where I'm from, we still we don't want to talk about mental illness. We don't want to look it in the face. We don't want to address the big red, blue, green, purple elephant in the room. But that doesn't change the fact that the truth is the truth. And um, the truth will set you free. So I'm here to try to burst all kinds of myths about suicide and try to get people to to just know that this is real and it's not going to go away unless we start talking about it. And, of course, when you start talking about stuff, then you have to do something about it.
0: Yes. So what are are some conditions that you're seeing um, for us that may not know that are leading to, to these youth suicides, especially the, the younger ones, like you said, um, you know, the, the five to seven year olds, the eight year olds, the younger people, what are the conditions that are, are pushing them to this, do you think, or you have knowledge of?
1: Well, I mean, it's not, it's not one thing. It's Whether young or, or old is not one thing. The, the one, one thing is not, is what people say. When I ask anyone, any adult at least, Maybe not the children, but usually the adults, and maybe some kids. But when I ask any adults, like I'm going to ask you now, Omar, what do you think, what have you heard in the news or wherever that is the top reason why people kill themselves? What would you say if I asked you that question?
0: Um, bullying is the push that they've been on lately. That's America, what I've that's been here one.
1: Okay, what else? So that's for children, but mm-hmm. overall speaking.
0: Um, depression finances
1: yes so exactly so as you know it's, it's multifactorial mm-hmm. but you are probably the i've been in i don't know 60 podcasts maybe more and i have my own podcasts and all my guests maybe my guests maybe, maybe not but generally most podcasts that i've been on except the ones by doctors most people say the same thing that the news says which is mental illness mm-hmm. and so you are one of the few people that mentioned bullying because we're talking about children. When I, make, when I force people to focus on kids, then they think bullying, which is mm-hmm. true. And so what does bullying do? If you, if, you, if you go with the mainstream media, everybody, every Hollywood star, every last Hollywood star, they kill themselves almost every time you hear mental illness. Well, first of all, they're making the news because they're Hollywood, right? Yes. But also most of them, if we're gonna be honest, If we're really going to be honest, if you peel the layers, you find out that there are other things going on. And the truth about it is majority of people who do have a diagnosed mental illness, as long as they have been diagnosed correctly and are taking their medications, they do fine. Majority of people who have mental illness do not die by suicide. However, if you ask anyone, especially the drug companies who make those antidepressants, Mm -hmm. they're going to tell you that it's mental illness. Now, here's the thing, the flip side. More than half of people who do die by suicide do not have a history of mental illness. So those people who have mental illness do not die by suicide. Those who who die by suicide do not have mental illness. Yet, if you pick a child who's been bullied in school and the child kills him or herself, like my son says, and the child kills themselves, let's say the child did not kill themselves if that child went to see the doctor nine times out of ten they're going to give them an antidepressant because they cry every day they're sad yes that's reactive though that's because something is happening to them somewhere either their uncle is molesting them or their parents are bullies or they are being bullied at school or whatever bad grades self-esteem whatever many 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 things but it culminates in a child that is feeling trapped and just feels like they have nowhere to go, and life is so hard for them that they'd rather die than live any other day. But if you pro- if you project that to an adult, it's the same thing. The mm-hmm. commonest cause of suicide across the board is relationship problems. Relationship problems, i.e. My friends don't like me anymore. They don't want to play with me. My dad is a bully. My mom and my dad are divorced. I'm a neglected child or I just got a divorce with my husband or my boss is really mean to me. Whatever It's a combination of things, but the top one is relationship problems. And then the WHO in 2015 put out a list of top 23 causes of suicide. Only one of the 23 was mental illness. But when you hear suicide, the first thing you hear is, oh, they had depression. No, some people like me have never suffered with depression, but I have been suicidal. I've never had depression before, and I don't have depression after. But I have been. At one point in my life, I felt that I was better off dead. And many of us have felt that way. Now, the problem is, do we act on it? So luckily, thankfully, majority of people do not act on it. But enough of us do attempt suicide. When I got divorced, I felt ostracized because I was ostracized by my husband's side of the family. I was suddenly a single parent with three kids. It was a very tough thing. It's already shameful enough as a Nigerian woman to be divorced because it's like, oh my goodness, how dare you leave your husband's house, right? Like mm-hmm. you deserve to stay in there regardless of what's going on because, you know, till death do you part, literally speaking. And then I, was, I had my own private practice and then I had three little boys. Just me. It is a lot. And then I found out that my ex-husband had not paid taxes and I owed the IRS $329,000 in back taxes. Just me. That is enough. Like you said, financial issues, yes. In 2008, yes, in 2008, when we had the financial crisis in America, we have a record 10,000 men that died by suicide. We didn't even count the women and the children. Why? Because they lost all their money to Enron. It's a real thing. Now, no amount of antidepressants would have fixed that. So when you say mental illness and just label almost all suicide, first of all, we're not treating the right thing. Second of all, the word mental makes people just cringe and they already have a major stigma about it. In 2016, the WHO declared the stigma of mental illness a global public health crisis. Not mental illness, the stigma. So please, when someone loses their child and is sad and suicidal as a result, it is because they lost their child. What you need is more compassion. Asking the lady what happened. Giving them skills on how to cope. Don't put a bandaid on it and toss antidepressants because you can. Because the drug companies have the money to advertise. Whereas if you know anyone that has ever taken an antidepressant like me, they will tell you it made them numb. It just makes you feel like a zombie. It doesn't fix the problem. The side effect of most antidepressants is suicidal ID freakingation. So you don't give me antidepressants when I'm already suicidal. Come on. I was worse. I got worse. My suicidal additions were worse when I was on. I was put by the nice captain in the US Air Force who thought she was doing me a favor. My suicidal addition went, went off the roof. So I was driving down the highway with my rooftop of my convertible down with no seat belt, looking for an opportunity to drive off the freaking highway. That's how bad it was. Until I said to myself, wait, stop. This is not working. Yes, there are people who do have depression and they do need their antidepressants. But I'm talking about suicide. It's not a mental illness issue. It's a situational problem. There's a reason why LGBT kids across the board of all youth have the highest rate of suicides. Because they are ostracized by the society, by their family, by their friends. It is a terrible thing. Nobody chooses to be gay. And when they go to church, oh my goodness, oh, it's from the devil. Really? This is the same child you asked God for. Like, this is wrong. So I have no problem being a speaker for the underdog because somebody needs to speak up for them. And that's the same reason why African-American kids and Hispanic kids and Native American children have the highest rates of suicide attempts because they have been socially and emotionally and physically and everything being pushed down to the back of the whole, just forget about you. Like you don't even exist. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no services. When an African-American kid has ADHD in school, the first thing they're going to do is label him as something bad. When a Caucasian kid has ADHD, oh, he needs help. Let's get him some help. Let's get little Johnny some help. But when it's time for Dene or Daniqua, no. They're bad kids. You get detention for the same behavior. So why won't that child, how would that child feel? They have no break at home because at home, mama is preaching the Bible and tossing holy water at them. Or, you know, you're lazy or that's not my portion or that's not from our family. And then you go to school and school is like, you're bad. And and then because you have ADHD, you are already high risk to be bullied or to be a bully. It's, It's terrible. So these kids have nowhere to go but to jump. And that's the problem.
0: And you said, correct me if I'm wrong, that the the antidepressants, one of the side effects leads to suicide?
1: Yes. One of the biggest side effects of antidepressants is suicidal ideation. There's a reason why when they give you, when they talk about those medicines, when I talk about the side effects, they go very fast. Mm -hmm. You go and you look at it. You Google it right now. Google Prozac and look at the side effects of Prozac. Google Paxil and look at the side effects of Paxil. It can cause suicidal ideation. It's, it's right there in black and white. And so that's why you can't just stop them on your own. Your doctor must monitor it before you stop it. It's, it's not an altogether safe drug, but for the right person, yes. For the right person, yes.
0: Wow. You know, I, I just Googled it and boom there it is
1: there it is i can't and make this stuff up i mean it's a lot just, of
0: thinking it, and behavior in children hello
1: Ex- Hello.
0: adolescents young okay. adults
1: okay wow or oh, like my friend would say oh this is real <laughs> this is yeah. for real so we can't just assume that just because people have money aka the antidepressant, the um the um the the drug companies have money to toss at us just because they do have those things, they have the money to advertise and they tell you, ask your doctor for Prozac, ask your doctor for Paxil. They tell you, they suggest that to you and you don't know any better. So you ask your doctor for Paxil and the average doctor is given five to 10 minutes with a patient. Yeah. They don't have enough time to stay with the patients. No way to find out what happened. And it's like, here's your medicine next. So we so in america i'm so glad i got to this point because in america in the last three or four years prescription strength antidepressants have more than tripled you can look it up have more than tripled but in the same space of time suicide rates have continued to soar. so what's wrong with that map if indeed mental illness is the reason why we're having suicides why are suicide rates going up when we're having more antidepressants in circulation? Because we're not—we're putting a bandaid over what's wrong. And I like I, one of my biggest problems was just the African American community. It's such a taboo. At least my Caucasian friends—they all get therapy. You know, they don't mm-hmm. mind going to therapy. But the African Americans—it's a whole taboo. Yeah, they even I- say they want to go see. Oh my God, you're going to see a therapist? Oh, let's go to church and pray. Let's let's go pray it away. You can't pray away everything.
0: I recently told someone that I was um, gonna go get uh, therapy and they was like, you don't need o therapy. Yay. This was a, f- a close family member. And I'm like, yes, I know. I uh, you don't need o therapy, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, mm. okay, you, I respect you mm. as my elder to say whatever you want, but I'm still gonna go do what I need. Well, you know what that
1: does though, that you are lucky that you are, with, you are firm, you stand firm within your own self. Imagine a child who doesn't know any better, whose mother is also in denial that kid is never gonna get better. And then you can get suicide. So the thing about it is if someone has mental illness says diagnosed, and they're not properly treated, and then you toss in substance abuse, and you toss in poor support from the family members, yes, you can get suicide. I don't want people to, to leave this podcast thinking the good doctor said you can have suicide amongst people that have mental illness, no. But if that person is properly diagnosed, properly treated, gets counseling, has the support at home, absolutely, they're going to do well. They're going to thrive. Many people have been taking Paxil and Xanax for years. They've been just fine. I'm talking about those who are not diagnosed, mm-hmm. who have not been properly diagnosed, versus those who do not have any mental illness at all, but they have what I call mental anguish. In my case, I had just been, got, become divorced I had just found myself as a single mother. I had just had to sell my own private practice that I had for, for 13 years. I just joined the Air Force. I had to go to basic training, leave my kids at, at home. And then I found out that, oh, I owe the IRS all this money. That is enough for any sane person to be suicidal because it's like, wait, what? Am I going to go to jail? What's going to happen? How am I going to pay this money? It is a lot. And while someone else might have the same problem and not be suicidal, I was. And I, you know, I don't, what else do I need? I don't need anything extra because thankfully I didn't act on my thoughts, but I was suicidal. And then as a doctor it's even worse. Oh my God, you're a doctor. You dare not say you have problems. They're going to look at you like something's wrong with you. But yes, something is wrong with you. You need help. So most doctors have the highest rate of numbers of the, doctors in America have the highest rate of suicides of all white collar jobs. I wonder why. Right? Yes, the studies have shown, and this study was done in 1978. Okay, 400 doctors die by suicide each year, and that's not counting the residents and the medical students. Since this quarantine has been going on, how many doctors have you heard of that have died by suicide, Omar?
0: uh, Honestly, I haven't heard of any.
1: Well, you need to get you need to get with the news because just last Sunday there was Mm -hmm. a girl, a lady from New York last Friday, another lady. Oh my God, lots and lots of suicide among doctors, period. And then you throw in this COVID-19, they're overworking, they don't have Ooh. the proper equipment. I mean, come on. please. You look it up. Her name is Dr. Breen, I think, or Bean or something. She was she was in New York Presbyterian Hospital or something. Just look it up. But the point is, doctors have the highest rates of suicide of all white-collar jobs. Why? Because we overworked they have student loans, they're less recent, re, relatively underpaid, and they can't ever reach out for help when they have issues going on. Like you can't just say, oh, I need, I need a mental health day. Oh no, what do you mean? Aren't you a doctor? You should be a machine. Like really, seriously? And so we have this culture, this toxic culture that's not gonna get any better, and doctors continue to kill themselves. We already don't have enough doctors as it is. And now with those that have died by COVID-19, those that are overworked, I mean, it's terrible. It's a very terrible situation. So some of us have to speak up about it until we can speak no more.
0: Okay, I've got a question. Sure. Does it, like, does, would it affect your um, ability to practice as a doctor if you um, stood up and said that you had a, a mental issue?
1: It shouldn't, ideally, because other people who, if you're a banker or a dentist, I mean, not a dentist, but if you're a banker or whatever, I don't know, if I'm just going to put something in there, just toss in any other job that has a low suicide rate. If that person said that they were having issues, their job will support them. They will ask, oh, yeah, 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 take all the time you need. You're a CEO of some funky bank. Yeah, 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 please. Go rest. But if you're a doctor, they look at you like, wait, but you're a doctor. Yeah, okay, so what? And so... Like I said earlier on, if somebody does have mental illness of whatever sort, if they get the proper treatment, they will do well. That's what I'm saying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when they don't, that's when there's a problem. And most mm-hmm. doctors, it's like a huge taboo. It's a taboo of all taboos for a doctor to even open their mouth and say that they're depressed.
0: Yes, my, um, my job actually offers uh, therapy sessions that they pay for for us um, even if you're dealing with any, uh, addiction, alcohol addiction, or drug addiction, as long as you stand up and say, "I need oh, well. help," you know they uh, they'll jump in and they'll help you.
1: I'll every see. job, every job I know does that. And nowadays, well, we're beginning slowly, very, very slowly. Some some establishments, some hospitals are now offering doctors mental health day and wellness day and things like that but it's still very very slow and let me tell you something i don't care who you are if the board if your state's board hears that you have any issues with mental illness Mm -hmm. you'd be very very careful because the state board is going to do something about it because people are going to and again the same thing i'm thinking about first of all there's a taboo about it you know and then again you're a doctor and and you, you know we're not trained to ask for help and as we get older no one wants to ask for help most people would not ask for help, whereas when they were children, the first thing the toddler would is, "Mom, mom, come help? Mom, mom, can you come?" That's what we do as children. And then when we get older, oh no, I don't want to tell my mom. I don't want my mom to think. So, so if you don't reach out for help, then then, then what, what's going to happen? And they're going to get better, and not because we can't read people's minds. And then again, on the other hand. Most people that have reached out for help have not gotten the proper response from people. Like your like your family member did. Oh no, oh don't say that. You know, what do you mean you need therapy? You know? And then so that makes you not want to speak up. Yeah. So they there therein there lies the problem. Therein lies the problem.
0: So, in your opinion, how should we approach these issues? Let's say there's a parent out there that has a um a teen preteen comes up to them and says, um, you know, mom, um, something's wrong. I'm just, you know, uh, um, a a, are or bad or whatever. And I'm getting anxiety and I'm just, you know, I don't know how to handle this. What, how should we approach that versus like you said, just getting them on some type of medicine for it? How do you think we should approach that?
1: I mean, in all fairness to you, that's a great question, but in all fairness to, to that question, during adolescence, adolescence, we've all been teenagers before. It's a very rough time, period. You're growing, your body is changing, you're all about your peers, you care about everything that your friends are doing. It's, it's a rough time already as it is. What I'm asking the parents to do, first and foremost, is have an open door policy, allow your kids to actually come in and talk to you. I usually joke about the fact that my youngest son, he he jokes about like, not jokes, but he talks about like his farts or whatever, you know, it's a big deal to him. Mm-hmm. So as his mother and his other mom, both of us, we just, we, we, we like, Oh really? We want to We want to hear, because he wants to talk about it. I'm like, okay, sure. What do you want to talk about? He said, like, Oh, is this, is that. I'm like, oh, okay. So I allow him to talk about the little things so that when, if and when the big things come, he can come and talk to me. But if, if what you say is, Oh, so, shut up or, you know, be quiet. That's, you don't really mean to kill yourself. Well, what do you mean? You know, whatever. Then the child is, and you've lost your window for them to talk to you again. They're going to shut down and they're not going to say anything. And so what I ask the parents to do is first of all, have an open door policy from the get go from then, when they were toddlers to when they were in grade school to when they let, let them be able to come to you within reason, of course. I mean, if you're tired, I mean, it depends on the culture in the house. You know, is it a toxic environment where they can't speak to you or is it an environment where they can come to you? If they can come to you. That's great. That means you've done a great job already so far. If, if your child comes to you, you've done a great job because most kids will not come to their parents. They'll go to their friends. So if if you're lucky enough for your child to come to you, the first thing to do is leave the door wide open. The second thing is don't be in denial. Don't tell them, oh, you don't really mean it. You're not really going to kill yourself. Like, oh, you're seeking attention. I can't stand that. People say, oh, they are selfish. No, people who want to kill themselves are not selfish. They really are at the end of the rope for them. Like they're trapped. they just like their body's on fire and they just want to put the fire out. So leave the door wide open. I use the phrase lean in and talk. That's what I use. I use that a lot when I give my talks. Mm. When you lean in with your, with well, at least with your body, you know, you're closing in the gap. The person feels like, you know, you want to hear more, you know, when they lean in, you know, that just physically speaking. But also it brings your heart closer and then your ears closer. So it's like you're already showing them that you're, you're paying attention. And then you talk to them. The first, the T stands for literally tuning into their own radio frequency. Like the truth is, if, if I tell you that I'm feeling bad and you don't really believe me, or you think maybe I, I don't look like I feel bad or whatever, then you're not in the same frequency as me. But if you're tuned into my radio frequency, you're going to, oh my God, really? Or oh, what, what happened? How can I help? you know? So tune in to their radio frequency. And then A's ask those difficult questions. Honestly, if you ask somebody, do you want to kill yourself? Or do you feel like you're going to hurt yourself? It doesn't make them do it. What it does is it makes them think, oh, okay, well, they want to talk to me. Okay, well, you know what? Actually, I, I have been thinking about that lately. Versus not asking any questions. People are afraid, and, I, and understandably so, they are afraid to ask the question because they don't know if someone's going to say yes, what are they going to do? Well, you don't have to do anything. Just say, okay, let me take you to get some help. Because if, if, you, if you come to see me, I don't care how bad your toothache is. I can't help you. I'm a doctor, but I can't fix toothache.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so if the child comes to you you say, oh my goodness, first of all, thank them for... There's a reason why most suicides are a surprise because people don't want to tell anybody. It's like, oh my God, I just saw him last week. Two weeks ago, my next door neighbor across the street from me. His son killed himself. Two weeks ago. And I'm right here in my house and the boy killed himself. It happens. Okay? And his mother was at home. It happens. She didn't even know. She thought he went to work. Imagine that. So if your child chooses to tell you, it is a blessing and you should Thank your goodness for it, because, oh my God, you were chosen.
0: So, um, And you have
1: six seconds to make the right decision, to say the right thing. Mm. Great. Oh, well, so A is for ask. So A is for ask the right questions. And then L is for listen. <laughs> if you ask the question, listen to hear what they have to say to you. Listen, you have to hear what they're saying. Are you, are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Do you have a plan Mm -hmm. you know it's like because if they have a plan they're most likely going to do it oh you know i don't have a plan but i'm really like i'm really like feeling really really bad okay well let's get you some help and maybe just maybe your child is going to be okay but you don't want to say take him to church and take him to i mean i'm not that the church is wrong but i say while you're praying get therapy get help and then the last one is K is keep in touch. A lot of children, if, like if it's a teacher or a coach, I mean they they will they will, add, they will you know confide in their teacher and their coach before they confide with their parents. Honestly, mm-hmm. and so you know, the last K for talk is to keep in touch with that person. What happens in 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 real life is. If my child dies for the first month, everyone is coming to talk to me. The next two months, and by by three months, no one is checking. By six months, no one is checking. By one year, oh, it's an anniversary. Oh, yeah, how are you doing? So you need to keep in touch. That child needs to see you, the adult, as a trusted adult, as someone who is intentional and present in their life. That child needs to see you that way, okay? So keeping in touch and keeping those communication lines open is critical. For the at the beginning and even down the down because the, they're very fragile. It's a very fragile state. It's not an easy thing, you know. And I do know it. Teenagers are dramatic. Yes, I get it. But you know, it's not something that people want to play with when you're Swiss. It's just not a. It's not a thing. Yeah. It's not a joking thing, you know.
0: So what? Is, what is a uh, teen alive? Tell us about that.
1: Oh, that's my online website. That's my website. It's an online presence. It's just my website where I have basically resources, videos, phone numbers, contact information. It's for my speaking engagement and just my presence for teenagers. I have online courses. I have my podcast. I have a page for my podcast on there. And just for anyone who needs information about teen suicide, who needs to learn about you know, teen suicide, what are the signs, what are the symptoms? What do you need to know because a lot of parents don't know. As a matter of fact, last week, because I'm trying to create an online course for teen suicide prevention, mm-hmm. I actually had, I put out a, like a little link because I had asked the parents, oh, in, in all the groups that I'm in, I asked a bunch of people, I said, if you were going to be in that class, what would you like to know? And so I had a bunch of people telling me essentially what they would like to know. And um, the, the, the the top Question was: What are the signs? What are the signs? Well, so I, I now created a five, uh, the top five signs of suicide. Suicide prevent. Um, suicide symptoms. I, I created a little lead magnet for people to know the top signs that your child might be suicidal or is showing suicidal symptoms. Okay. And, um, it's been good. Yeah, thank God. People want to. People like you know becoming more aware. I mean, I hate that it's going to be a suicide or whatever that's going to lead us, you know, to where we need to finally start listening to our kids. But you know what, if that's what it's going to take, then then that suicide was not for nothing. And, you know, it, at least we had other lives that were saved as a result of of that. So,
0: yeah. So um, you said you were working on a third book. What is this book?
1: My third book is about bullying. It's actually called is your child a bully well as i yesterday it was called is your child a bully but i did a little thing on facebook and asked them what they thought about the Mm. book cover and then a couple of one lady said is my child a bully would be a better title and then someone else said something about something something so now i'm thinking the book is going to be called is my child a bully because it's it speaks to the the parent who is reading the book so it's a parenting book, and it just talks about why would anybody want to be a bully? What, what what, causes a child who weighs six to eight pounds and just innocent to become a bully at 13 or at 16? Why? What happened to that child? So it talks about the symptoms, not the symptoms, excuse me, the, the causes, the personality traits, the things happening. I'm breaking it down into three parts. So the child itself, and then the home front, and of course, external factors like school. So all of those things feed into why a child would think of bullying another
0: child. How, um, how big of an issue do you feel bullying is? Because there are people out there that says, you know, they try to make it seem as if bullying is just like a a new label on something that we all went through. It was like, yeah, when I was a kid, we just called that, you know, life, you know, we we used to play the, the dozens and, you know, every once in a while, you know, somebody might slap your books out of your hand and you just got over. Do you think yes, that that's bullying true. is a, is a, is it really that much of an issue or do you think it's just kind of like, uh, cause there is bullying. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's not bullying. There are some extreme cases out there of kids just being terrible to other kids. Yeah. So
1: I was bullied when I was in elementary school. So I definitely don't think there's anything funny about bullying at all. And I do know, like you said, a lot of adults think it's a rite of passage. Like, oh, yeah, I was bullied. I'm fine. You know, you're going to be fine. No, not really. Because everybody's bullying is different from everybody else's bullying. For instance, several weeks ago, just before this whole quarantine, there was the little Australian boy who is a chondroplastic, kind of who, I don't know if you, if you read about him. His mother had shot a video about him, the little dwarf. Mm-hmm. The little boy that had the dwarfism. He, she, did you see the video of the, the mom? She shot a video about him. He's I from did. Australia. His name is Quaden Bale. He was crying and saying that she, in that video, it was so gut-wrenching. She, he was saying, give me a knife and let me just kill myself. He was nine years old because the kids in school would bully the heck out of him and they were petting him like he's a puppy. And it's just awful, awful what kids do to each other. But then I, there's a picture of, a, a there's a cartoon of a mom. I don't know if you saw this either, but the mother's tongue went from her own mouth through her child's head to tease, you know, kind of to tease the other child. In other words, kids copy their parents and mm. kids do what they, what they see their parents doing. That's kind of, what I got out of that, 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 that picture, that cartoon. Absolutely, most of the kids that die by suicide, as, as a matter of fact, before, I think before, maybe in March when we first went on the quarantine, I actually made a prediction that youth suicide, at least suicides in kids was gonna go down. Because of the quarantine. Because I know that most kids are bullied at school. And Mm -hmm. it never feels Majority of kids who kill themselves, who are in elementary, grade school anyway, have been bullied. Bullying is not a good thing. It's not funny at all. It's not funny at all. And you would never want to be the person who was the last person to contact with this person who ended up killing themselves. So I don't take bullying lightly at all. I don't think it's funny. I also think that in today's world, because we have cyberspace we also have a, a different mechanism of bullying now which is basically in cyberspace the child or the kids constantly have been harassed in our days there are no phone there was no tablets so mm-hmm. you get bullied on the school bus and when you get, get home, you, yeah. exactly but now oh my goodness it's on your phone it's on the tablet it's a computer i call them gang keyboard gangsters because you can only do that through the through the keyboard. You cannot really do it. I mean, there's some that also bully you in person. But the point I'm trying to make is it follows the child home. So it's like they're constantly being bombarded with it. So it's not funny. And because of the internet, you know, because of the fact that if you take a picture or video of me, in three seconds, the entire school has the video. Yeah. That is a problem. That is a huge problem. And not everyone can take that. And kids are mean. They're so mean, especially in middle school. I mean, I was so shocked when I was preparing for my third book, finding out that bullying starts in kindergarten. Kindergarten? Are you kidding me? That's when bullying starts, maybe even younger than that. But that's when we're able to see because they're outside their house. But usually the, you know, the parents are the first teachers, so they must, they must act as such. We are the first teachers. So the kids learn everything from us. If you if you and your spouse are fighting and bickering all the time, if you're that kind of parent that's yelling and screaming all the time or whatever, your kids are learning these things. And then some parents, you know, oh, it's nothing. Oh, he's just being a boy. No, he's not just being a boy. When is he going to stop being a boy? Is it when he rapes somebody at Stanford? I mean, no. So, you know, parents just need to do a little bit better with owning their they parents and your, your kid is not your friend. He's not your buddy. Mm. My son is 21 about to be 22. He's still not my buddy. I mean, when I call him, he said yes ma'am, because you know, he's always going to be my son. I'm always going to be 29 years older than him. He's always, you know what I mean? Like he's always going to be my child. Yeah. yeah, we can, the relationship changes, but he's always going to be my child. So, you know, he should never become my friend. There's a reason why he's my child. If God wanted him to be my friend, he would not be my age.
0: Yeah, and um, like I was speaking back on the um the bullying starting early. I was bullied, like you said, you were in mm. elementary school, That's and it it made me aggressive. Once I started, because I was a small I was a small kid, mm. and once I started to get size on me, and you know started to come into my 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 body and realize my strength and so forth, so on so forth, it made me more aggressive. So. Once I was able to physically put a stop to those type of things, I was always kind of like waiting for a chance to. Versus, you know, a confrontation happens or whatever, somebody's cracking jokes, and I'm looking for a way out of it or looking for a way to defuse it. At that point, Mm -hmm. it had built me to where I was ready to engage. It's like, okay, say something and this and this is what's going to happen you
1: know exactly so yeah. so you were so basically what you were is the category called a bully victim so mm-hmm. you were a victim to begin with and then you became a bully and that's that's very very common there's a movie that i refer to all the time it's called how to eat fried worms it's a it's, yeah. it's from the it's from the 90s i think it's a coming of age movie this little boy who was being bullied every single day at home by his big brother and then he would get to school and he was the ultimate bully at school. So basically he was, you know, and, and that's the thing about it. It becomes a vicious cycle. And unfortunately for you and I and for us, bullying actually, it, it has short and significant long-term effects. I mean, it's not a joke. Even the bystander ends up having mental problems or problems at least emotional issues down the line but the bully the victim as well as the bystander because imagine that kind of guilt as a bystander like you're just there watching somebody getting beat up every single day that's traumatic yeah it's very very traumatic either because you can't help or you don't want to say anything so that you don't become the next victim or whatever you know it's 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 terrible it's not even a joke at all
0: yeah and i, and I think you kind of get desensitized that ties to it too Absolutely, if, when you're always seeing it you or know, you're always around it
1: and then you can also become a bully and you know there are yeah. lots of reasons i mean they they bully because they want to become they want to be in a clique they bully because they want to show dominance they bully because just because because they're rich i mean there's all kinds of bullies people people are bullies because they're rich people are bullies because maybe they're bigger or you know, you know, people are they bullies because at home they don't get any love and so they go to school and they lash out. Uh, people kids are uh, kids anyway, they're they're bullies because their personality traits they they're naturally maybe rambunctious more than others. And those might not necessarily be bullies, but because they act like bullies, they can become victims because people don't want to beat them up. You know, it's 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 a terrible thing. People that have ADHD, they have a lot a, a lot of energy. And unless they're able to expend their energy and you know burn off some of that energy, they might appear to look like like they're bullies. And then they can become victims because somebody sees them as a threat, you know. So all of these things, if we could just talk about it more, just just take the first couple of days of school to just talk about stuff like that, versus just, you know, go straight to math. Because you know, that math is gonna be there. But if a child kills themselves, then the whole school becomes traumatized. At the beginning of this year, San Antonio saw five youth suicides before, before January, before February, oh yeah, the last one was February fourteen, Valentine's Day. Mm. We had five suicides, all age 19 and under, between November and February. It was like one every month or something. It's wow. terrible, it's terrible.
0: It's not a good thing. Yeah, that's we definitely gotta gotta do better. And I appreciate you um doing the work of trying to give us that information.
1: Yeah, I die need. trying. Mm-hmm. So, I die trying. I tell you, so that, that we can funny?
0: progress in that. Yeah. Now, is there uh, outside of your your third book? Do you is there anything else that you have in the works or coming up that you want to tell the people about?
1: Yes, I mean, I I have this. I'm not, I don't know the name, yet. I don't know what I'm going to call it yet, but it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's an online course for teen suicide prevention. And what I decided, I think I'm going to call it From Fear to Freedom or something, I don't know, something fancy like that. But essentially what I discovered was most youth suicide prevention courses or talks are usually either directed at the parents or directed at the, at the teenagers but this course is for parents and teenagers together. So it's, it's, it was born out of my son and I taking Spanish class together since this quarantine. And I said, you know what, it's actually a form of bonding. It's one hour every night at 10 o'clock, but it's, 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 it's full of bonding for us. And so what I've realized is if I can have the child and the parent together taking the course then they can help each other, understand each other, and maybe, just maybe we will have less suicides. Because what I noticed in my private practice is like when I speak with my patient's parents, the kids actually do get better because the parents you know, start changing certain things that they're doing at home and all that. But also you need to also learn themselves, you know, how to control certain urges, how to listen to your voice better, how to not allow your thoughts to control you, all of that. So I want to, I want to do a combination so that they can maybe help each other and then grow from there. So I'm going to give it a try, you know, so that's coming or that should be dropping in the month of June by the grace of God, if not before that, because I know my book should be dropping by the end of this month Mm -hmm. and then I'll do the online course for june but next week sundays i'm really excited about that next week sunday the 17th of may i'm having a virtual i'm calling it dr lulu's parenting during and after quarantine that's what i'm calling it dr lulu's i just literally just decided this two days ago Mm -hmm. so i got my crew together and we're all excited we're gonna we're gonna knock it out so i've got me, I'm a pediatrician. I have a family practice doctor. I have another pediatrician and then I have a, a child whisperer is what I call him. He's a communication strategist for parents and children. And I have a school counselor and then I have an exercise lady who's going to teach us just easy things you can do at home to not go to the pantry every time you get a chance. <laughs> and to so just easy things you can do around the house. She works from home, so she's used to staying you know, healthy or whatever at home. And we're just gonna give the parents tips. So I'm excited, that I'm really excited about because that literally the idea came to me two days ago. So I know we're kinda sorta looking at close to the end of quarantine now-ish, but still, you know, we've got the whole of the summer and what we're gonna do is, someone is gonna be talking about trauma, childhood trauma. They were gonna talk about the parents themselves, their own trauma. Of course, I'm going to come in from the angle of youth suicide prevention, teen suicide prevention. The gentleman is going to talk about communication between parents and their teenagers. And then the school counselor is going to talk about what she sees in the school front that kids you know, complain about. So I am super excited about that. Like, I just feel like I feel so special just because it's like everything we see in this whole world began from an idea that someone had.
0: Yeah.
1: What if I could do this? What if we could have power for electricity? What if we could have an iPhone? What if, and then here we are. So my idea is what if we could have parents while they're at home with their kids learn, I know it's kind of down the line already, but, but, but it's stressful. But if we could get them to master how to communicate with their kids better and also to understand them, their own selves and what they themselves, the trauma that they bring to the table then just maybe, maybe we'll have less of the domestic violence and less of the stress that the teenagers encounter. And then maybe, of course, the ripple effect will be less suicide. So I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Yeah, you're it? actually the first person that I've told about it, so I'm excited. <laughs>
0: Okay. Have you have you decided where you're going to place? It? Like, where are people going to be able to find this? Like, what platform? Um, it's going
1: to be well. So, so mostly, I'm 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 mostly active on Facebook, but I am also on LinkedIn and on everywhere at Twitter and Instagram, and so I'm going to put I'm going to post it everywhere. But, but we're all mostly going to try to attack Facebook viciously and get all our friends. And I already started, I I did an announcement yesterday. I put it on my newsletter today, and I'm excited. I'm really excited about that. Okay. I don't know when your podcast is going to be published, when this one is going to be published, but I hope it's published before the 17th of May because <laughs> we're going to be doing it on, on, it's a Sunday. I know it's a Sunday, but we're going to do it from, I think we said 12 to five. So it's going to be fun. To be
0: okay. fun. Yeah, this this episode will actually go up um, this Wednesday.
1: Yay! That's exciting. Yeah.
0: What's and the name then of, of course
1: you tag me on it so I can. I can Definitely. definitely.
0: What's the name of uh, your podcast?
1: My podcast is called Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. So Suicide Pages, so like the pages of a book, because basically my, my guests come and speak to me about suicide. That's really all they, not suicide, excuse me, about trauma that they've suffered and you know what they've been through to, to that point. Okay. And so I actually, I'm going to put your name down because you did talk about the days of your bullying. And also because you're a rare in my podcast, the, the men in my podcast, my men, my male guests are called unicorns, mm. but my black male guests are called unicorns, unicorns, because I can't find black males out there for nothing to, to talk to me about these things that make people vulnerable. And so I'm putting you down as Omar, I don't know your last name, but I believe that's one Mama. And I'll be in touch.
0: I definitely would be uh definitely would be honored to uh come and speak on your show. Oh
1: yeah, that'll be awesome. That'd be awesome. I can't wait. Uh wait my, my podcast is done pretty well. I think it's seven months old and we have about six thousand or more downloads. Nice and I have thirty episodes that are still pending that I haven't Published yet, and and then I have like seventy-five or one hundred people on my waiting list. So you just you just got to the bottom of the waiting list. be twenty twenty, we'll be interviewing you, but it's gonna happen. It's
0: gonna hey, happen. that's cool. That's all right with me. <laughs> now, where uh, your other your other two books? What are the names of those? And where tell the people where they can find them.
1: So both books are available on Amazon.com. The first one is called how to raise well-rounded children. And if you could see me, I'll show it to you. But um, so how to raise well-rounded children. That was a bestseller on Amazon. And then the second book is A Teen's Life. A Teen's Life. And so both of them are available on Amazon as well as on my website. But I like Amazon so that people can give me reviews. But yeah, so they're available wherever good books are sold.
0: Nice. Mm -hmm. now. Dr. Lulu, once again, I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to talk to me today. You gave me some good information, definitely taught me me some things today that I didn't know about, and um, I really appreciate the work that you're doing, and I I, I hope that you have much (laughs) success doing that work.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I mean, it's already happening. I got an interview with the History Channel on Friday, so- Nice. I know, right? For real. They, they, they saw an article that I wrote, because I'm also a freelance writer. I love okay. to write. I love to talk and I love to write. I wrote an article for a blog called blackpast.org. Blackpast.org. I wrote that for, for Black History Month last year, and I guess they have a podcast called History This Week. And they wanted to look into the, so the article that I wrote was about the origin of mental illness and the black people who want to kill themselves, whether it's Hispanic, whether it's Native Americans, whether it's blacks, whoever, especially minorities. And so I was just asking myself, I wanted to know, well, where did this whole taboo, where did it begin? And so then looking, and then the more I was looking, the more I saw that, oh, indeed, it was from the, from the days of slavery. And so I I dug a little bit more and I and I found out that, that oh my goodness there's this whole thing about you know ah uh, it's it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot but anyway they found the article and you know, like they wanted to interview me because of that piece I'm like ah you kidding me of course so <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> next up Oprah right <laughs> that'll <Yes>. be good
0: <laughs> yes. Definitely, definitely. Um once you once that's all done, keep me keep me in the loop of the things that you got going on and when you I they're, sure will. If we're
1: friends play. on Facebook, you'll probably hear because I, I, I'm on there all the time talking about right. stuff. Yeah. But I'll well, find so. you. Or send me a, a, a friend request if you see me before I see you.
0: Definitely. So like I said, once again, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. I really do appreciate it. All and right. as always, thinkers, I appreciate each and every last one of y'all to take the time out and listen to my show because without you guys, I'd just be talking to myself (laughs) (laughs) and we out of here. Y'all have a great day.